Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to another edition of After Hours with Defoe and Luby, Jeff DeForest and Mike Luby Lubitz here on the Believe Network. And it's always great for us to upgrade the level of distinction of the type of people that we can bring you on the uh, Believe Network. And our usual array of misfits, uh, bookies and loan sharks and uh, degenerate gamblers uh, gives way today to a man of great distinction. And, and uh, we love versatility. And this is a man who's written about and reported on virtually everything. I mean, a wide range of things, all the way from corruption in the Philadelphia courts, uh, for which at the Philadelphia Inquiry you won a Pulitzer Prize. And imagine that, corruption in the Philadelphia courts. Who would figure? Shocking. Right? <laughs> hey, Tony, yeah, I heard you got off late. Uh, <laughs> And uh, also, it uh, was the uh, man behind Friday Night Lights, uh, which, uh, you know, he, he had uh, written about. And then it became the inspiration for a great television show, uh, still getting rave reviews today from people who are just discovering it, like Luby. Yeah. We welcome Buzz Bissinger to the program. Uh, Buzz, how are you? Thanks so much for joining us here on After Hours. Hey, I'm good. Uh, quite an introduction. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm good. How are you guys? You're doing well. It's well deserved. We're doing all right. Yeah. I, I got to go with the geographical thing, though, because uh, you spent a lot of your time in the uh, Pacific Northwest. I, I, I don't know. Is that Seattle that, that uh, you're, you're living part now, of? Now, we're, 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 we're in the middle of nowhere, basically in the southwestern corner of Washington State near the border with Oregon. Uh, fundamentally, where Lewis and Clark ended up, we, my wife is from the Northwest, and we nice. we found this place and said, let's go for it. Yeah, because I, I was watching, uh, you know, even in a sophisticated part of the uh, state like Seattle, uh, the crowd, uh, many of the people that were at that uh, Seahawks game seeing Russell Wilson come back uh, looked like they were deckhands on Deadliest Catch. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's well, a strange group may, of people yeah, there. But, uh, you know, they're good. They're good fans, though, and I'm oh, telling yeah. you, they rattle those guys a little bit. And uh, I would not uh, take all your money and put on Russell Wilson. That's all I say. I think he's a shadow of what he once was, and I can't believe what Denver's paying him. But that's that's what you do about nothing, right, guys? There you go. Well, and it looked like I don't know. I mean, obviously, I'm no you know fashion. You know, giant, uh, you know, if you saw my wardrobe, it's pretty much, uh, you know, just a bunch of dreck. But, I have. Uh, <laughs> he, he, he looked like, uh, you know, uh, the maitre d' at Spago's or something, didn't he? Did you see the post-game press conference? I mean, what is this guy wearing? Yeah, was, that's good. Let's just talk football. For, you know, forget the book. Who cares? Uh, well, he's always been a sharp, you know, he's always been a sharp presser. Um, You know, I follow the game probably because I play fantasy football like everyone else. I'm glad the Seahawks won. I mean, you're talking about Garrish. What are those uniforms? They're out of Mars. Um, <laughs> but I've always, I've always liked Pete Carroll, and you know, everyone is on him saying this is last year he's lost control. And they look, they played gutty, and you know, they they played well. Uh, I just think Russell's not. The, this has nothing to do with anything. The, the problem with contracts in all sports is they're being paid on past performance. And they really pay very little attention to how old they are and how much they have left. And so a guy like Wilson's getting paid a lot for service skills that I don't think he um, has any longer. I think that's going to be true of Mike Trout. I think it's going to be true of all these guys. Yep. They pay way too much when their best years may be well behind them. Although, I don't know, has Victor Conti, has he been seen around the St. Louis Cardinals locker room? Because uh, Albert Pujols, who looked like he pulled the plug on his value uh, five yeah, years ago. That's true. 
all of a sudden is hitting home runs at a rate that, that is outpacing Aaron Judge, <laughs> which is great to see because uh, I like well, to see pretty him get close. to 700. I think I think uh, um, I'd love to see him to get to 700. You know, I wrote a book about the Cardinals and Tony Russo yes. was the manager, and I actually got to know Albert pretty well. He's a fantastic guy. He's great in the clubhouse. He has he does has nothing remotely resembling a big head. He was great with uh, young players, um, and it's I think it's the best story in baseball because I thought Albert was pretty much done after that year with the Dodgers, and uh, you know he's back home. He's home where he belongs, and I'll tell you that guy can still hit a monster yes. home run. I mean, I mean yes. it is scary when he clocks one. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, he's like Judge, 110, 112 miles an hour, and it's wonderful to see. I mean, he's probably going to get 20 home runs. Mm-hmm. It's fabulous, which is which is fabulous. I hope he plays another year. The city loves him. Um, you know, this St. Louis is his birthplace. So I have a lot of great memories of, of St. Louis. And, heck, I hope he stays for another year. He's great. And you can just tell by his smile, by his uh, presence. He's great in that clubhouse. And, you know, very few athletes I know because of my own experience are great in a clubhouse, but he just lightens up everybody, and it's beautiful to see him. It's really beautiful to see. Oh, so what are we uh, talking about? You know, a good ambassador for the game. Everybody seems to love him. We saw that yeah. at Home Run Derby. Uh, Buzz Bissinger, our guest here on After Hours with Deepon Luby, Jeff DeForest, Mike Luby Lubitz. Uh, uh, new workout. We want to get into this uh, a little bit here because uh, the title itself uh, makes me think that maybe you have been consulted on the uh, college championship uh, bowl committee, uh, the Mosquito Bowl, which probably will be hosting the game once the Saudis put some money into college football. Uh, but uh, tell us about this work that, that you have uh, coming out now, uh, the game of life and death in World War II. This is a story. It's nonfiction. It's, it's, it's based in World War II, both on Guadalcanal and ultimately the, the hideous battleground of Okinawa, the last major battle of the war. Um, the Mosquito Bowl refers to a football game that was played between two regiments of the Marine Corps, each of which was stocked with great college players. And I mean great All-Americans, captains, first team, uh, you know, first conference, second conference, uh, 16 either drafted or would be drafted by the pros. Anyway, they kept arguing over who had the better football team if they played each other. And finally, you know, someone said, you know, we're Marines. We don't argue. We fight it out. So they came as close to a real game as they could. And it was dubbed the Mosquito Bowl, Christmas Eve of 1944, as I think I said. 1,500 Marines who were drunk and, and buoyant and <laughs> gambled on the game. These two regiments duked it out, beat the hell out of each other, and had a blast. Because it really was the last time they were allowed to, to be boys or certainly to do something they loved. Uh, three months later, uh, they had shipped out to Okinawa, where of the 65 who really had just so joyously played football all their lives of the 65 who played in the mosquito ball uh 15 were later killed oh, wow. and when oh. i read about that because it had been written about a little bit i exactly said wow there's there's, there's got to be uh, a book here uh, you know if i can get to the into the hearts of minds of some of the men that were in that game and frankly you know 64 of the 65 who played were dead and that was daunting but if somehow I can get into their lives, if I can portray them as they go through America, as they go through uh, college, as they go through the Marine Corps, into the absolute horror of Okinawa, uh, through the Mosquito Bowl, if I can get at them, I, I think there's something here, a story 
um, not just of men, a story of, of soldiers, a story of Marines, a story of mothers, a story of fiancés, and a story of what it means uh, to have duty to your country, what it means to potentially sacrifice your life, and to me, a, a story of tragedy, but uplift, uplift um, pointing to a time in our country that was we were the peak of unity and how it's spectacular it is to see an America that is unified. And this was the most unified we ever were. And I think these men who are from every socioeconomic stripe are emblematic of that. And, you know, I hope people read the book and maybe say, you know, maybe there is a way. Maybe if we just keep differences to ourselves or something, there is a way to make this country what it once was. Oz Bissinger with us here on After Hours with Defoe and Luby. Uh, sounds like a fascinating piece of work as have been many of your uh, both uh, pieces and uh, and book uh, offerings uh, in the past. Uh, Friday Night Lights, uh, I know you probably told the story a zillion times, but uh, why not make it a zillion and one? Uh, the inspiration for that, because uh, it obviously, just from hearing your description about the uh, new effort, the Mosquito Bowl, uh, is evidence that uh, you have an eye for a great story. Well, you know, I try to, or at least I try to have an eye for a story that I really think I can tell. My idea takes me a long, long time writing a book is is hard i mean look everything in life is hard but it's hard you get, you're exhausted after first particularly when you spent uh five years friday night lights uh the inspiration was i had just been on a uh, what they call a neiman fellowship it was a journalism fellowship and i had some time off before going back to work so a friend who had been on the fellowship we decided to drive out west and took the southern route so you go through a lot of small southern towns so downtown one of the downtowns were obliterated even then because of, of Walmart. And, uh, but you drive a few blocks further out, and there you see it. The high school football stadium. They look beautiful, charming, uh, cozy, often many of them built in the 1930s during the WPA administration. And I just said to myself, uh, these aren't just stadiums in small towns across America that are isolated. We all need something to believe in. And I just said to myself, this thing, common thing to believe in is high school football. And then went back to work and thought about it and thought about it some more. And lucky enough to have found the town of Odessa, Texas, which is where Friday Night Lights uh, takes place. Buzz, the book heralded, the show heralded. I'm curious because you've had that option. You've had other things optioned to be turned into other forms of media. How involved are you when they become a show or a movie as the original writer of the book? Well, you know, writers, we're writers, right? Yeah. Uh, the only people who complain more are radio talk show hosts. But, uh, <laughs> and I know, I was, in, I was in radio for all like six seconds until I got fired, yeah. so that's another story. Uh, you know, we all complain and this and that. Uh, you have no control. Mm. The studios are paying you to put up and shut up. I mean, that's just the way it is. And writers will often say, oh, the, 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 the film is terrible. They ruined my book. They ruined my book. And my response is, well, you know what? Don't don't take the money next time. <laughs> exactly. Don't sell it. But if you take the money, you're being paid to shut up. Now, I was a little bit luckier in front of life because it was actually directed by my cousin, Pete Berg. Nice. Completely by accident, but we were very close. So at least uh, he did answer my phone calls. <laughs> Um, but you know, if you're, 
if you're a John Grisham, you're going to get control. Obviously, if you're a JT Rowling with Harry Potter, you're going to get control. But, you know, 99 and 9 tenths percent, you don't get control. And you hope and pray that they'll do a reasonable adaptation. But meanwhile, you've, you've taken money to, to, to walk away. And I get that. And I understand that. Man, I'm not sure that Jerry Garcia isn't rolling over in his grave if he hears, like, Grateful Dead music tracking in behind a personal injury ad <laughs> commercial. But, uh, you know, we, we uh, you know, all, right. all uh, vowed at one time not to sell out. That, that's right. for sure. <laughs> and uh, keep controlling things. All right, uh, a little James Lipton uh, moment here, if you don't mind, uh, from uh, Inside the Actor's sure. Studio. Because I would imagine, uh, as he would say and turn to you as you were sitting there being his guest, uh, uh, call me Caitlin. The audience would then rise up and, uh, you know, applaud in a standing ovation. Uh, uh, give us a little bit of the background on that, because uh, that was quite a scoop there for Vanity Fair. Well, I mean, you know, it was the, the, the rumors have been out there for years that uh, you know, then Bruce Jenner was 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 cross-dressing and really wanted to be a woman. And it was serious and not something that everyone sort of wanted to laugh at. And uh, so the magazine went to his publicist, a wonderful guy named Alan Nyrob, and said, look, Alan, uh, this is all over the map. It's going to come out. And there's two ways for it to come out. You can have some control that at least Caitlin gets to tell her story to a good journalist, or it's going to leak out on, you know, whatever that, I forget what the show is, ATV or AT something. You you got it. You got it. (laughs) You got it. So, you know, leak out on DMZ and be part of the the gossip and the trades and, and so Alan called the magazine back and said you're right and we want to do it and Vanity Fair set forth I'd been there working and writing pieces for over 20 years and the magazine recommended me be, really because of the co- commonality of sports I love sports and I vividly remember Chris Jenner I, Chris Jenner I was 21 years old I'd never seen an athlete that good that articulate or frankly, that gorgeous. I mean, he was just at a central cast. Yeah. And uh, so I got I got the story, and it was you know the story of a lifetime. Um, we broke it. There were wonderful pictures by, <coughs> excuse me, Annie Leewood, and it was a blast. It was really, I think, the last hurrah of print, and that you know a print publication had to do that story in large part because of the pictures. You just couldn't put it on the web. I forget how many hits it got on Twitter. It went all over the world, and I was privileged to, to, to be a part of it. And Caitlin and I uh, kept in touch, and I ended up, uh, you know, ghostwriting her, her book. She's a terrific person. She could not be kinder uh, to people. She has a big, big uh, heart, and she's happy being her authentic self. No, I was surprised. Uh, once, uh, just arbitrarily, I was uh, hosting a show trying to get a free trip to Disney World out of it. And then I had to do a show there the next morning. And uh, I was a little bit out of it. And uh, Bruce Jenner uh, was handed over to me because he was there promoting whatever it was that they were uh, trying to, you know, get on the air. Right. And it was uh, given to me as a, as a guest host, you know, I sit down for an interview. And I tell you what, uh, he, he couldn't have been any more charming before he became Caitlin. And uh, he, he really seemed to be at a good place in his life. So, uh, you know, and, and this transition would have been impossible to conceive of for anybody because uh, I, like you, watched this guy as an athlete. And uh, other than Greg Louganis, I, I don't know that there was anybody's body you wanted to have as a uh, as a young guy 
uh, thinking that, uh, you know, I, 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 you know, definitely, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking at this person and saying he, he seems to be perfect in, in every sense. And, uh, you know, I mean, uh, that, that was a hard thing to conceive of for anybody that watched him during that era. So excellent work by you. Buzz, uh, we wish you the best of luck. It was a pleasure uh, having you on the show. Thanks so much for doing this. Uh, the Mosquito Bowl. Well, it sounds fascinating, as we said, and uh, really a great, great uh, way to approach uh, what sounds like a really terrific and compelling story. Uh, thanks so much for being with us here on After Hours. I really appreciate your time. All right. Thank you, guys. Have a good day. Buzz, you as well. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much. Buzz Bissinger. Nice guy, huh? Very interesting. I love how he Mike defers Leverage. to like other authors when he's actually one of the preeminent authors. <laughs> That's always, yeah. I always find that interesting. Like Feinstein will do that too. And he, the mod, and I appreciate the modesty, but it's always, cause he's one of those guys, look, to do on a Pulitzer and then did great work after. Like the Pulitzer was, yeah. a lot of the time the Pulitzer will be your peak. Like the Pulitzer was early. Yeah, you just cash in on that. Like you're in the NFL Hall of Fame or something. Yeah, honestly. And for him, there's Pulitzer Prize winner. <laughs> he's one Buzz Bissinger. And you got a speaking engagement for 25 times. I mean, it's nice. That's it. He went on to be a best selling author after that. He went on to write some of the biggest pieces in American history, not even sports history. So I, I yeah. appreciate him, his modesty. And we've talked to him before, and he's great. He's a great interview. I believe I've heard of this story, the Mosquito Bowl. I know. It sounds like a ridiculous story. Like, it sounds yeah. amazing. Like, the fact that it hasn't been made before into a book slash movie. It sounds like a movie. Like, that's what it sounds like. Well, maybe that's where he's headed with this. That could be. All right. Uh, a lot of fun being with you guys. Uh, always a pleasure here uh, on Believe. Uh, we thank you guys for tuning in to the uh, podcast that we do if you want to catch our regular work it's on south florida live you can become a subscriber and catch us uh, seven to nine eastern time every monday through friday we always have a lot of fun so uh you can uh, take a look at the archives on those shows as well and uh, we thank you so much for being with us here on believe and uh like met fans are feeling right now oh. as they're sitting there in a very tight race there to avoid being one of the wild card teams but the atlanta braves it's a dogfight looks like it's going to come down right to the wire uh, but uh, I know they're feeling this, and they've resurrected this chant, Louie. And we want to leave you with this from the great, great uh, Tug McGraw. People, you got to believe. Hey, folks, Tony Segreto here. Let me ask you a question. What do you look for when you go out to eat? Good food, obviously. Friendly atmosphere, not too loud, but good energy, reasonable prices, and a place where you feel comfortable. All those ingredients, <laughs> no pun meant there, are hard to find unless you're talking about the Texas Roadhouse. You see, they encompass all of those attributes. Really, really good food, amazing atmosphere, good for a family, good for a date, or just a night out for yourself, and prices that will make you extremely happy. Their ribs unmatched, steaks hand-cut every day, everything, and I mean everything, is made on site, including their incredible bread. It's the one day, folks, that you can forget about low-carb diets. Trust me when I tell you, Texas Roadhouse, your restaurant, your destination, when you say, where should we go and eat tonight? Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.